Blur it up, blur it up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. I'm your host, Brendan Spencer, live from this dystopian air pollution <laughs> in South Korea. <laughs> Are you guys hailing this okay? No, <laughs> not at all. It looks like Mega, Mega City 1 out there, son. It's gross. Mm-hmm. This shit is crazy. Gross. So today we're going to talk about Captain Marvel, the latest movie in the MCU. It stars Brie Larson as Carol Danvers, and it was directed and written by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, who are frequent collaborators. But I haven't seen any of their other films. Do you all know their other works? Uh, yeah, there's one that they did about baseball. I can't remember. Sugar. Yeah, Sugar. Sugar. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and it was actually pretty good. Okay. But not other than that, no. <laughs> That's the only one. Uh, only other one that I've seen is Sugar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. They also did Half Nelson, starring Ryan Gosling. And right. it's kind of a funny story. Hmm. I haven't seen them, but they all seem to have generally positive reviews. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, Sugar was all right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Captain Marvel has a lot of weight on its shoulders. Uh, most importantly, it's the first female-led MCU film. It's answer to Wonder Woman in DC. Also, it's the last movie before the release of Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Producer Kevin Feige has said that after this movie, Captain Marvel will be the strongest hero to date and will play a key role in Endgame. Hmm. So as we all know, before the movie came out, there was controversy in regards to mainly white dudes being triggered by (laughs) her her insistence on making her press junkets more inclusive, Hmm. noting that they were overwhelmingly white male. So they review-bombed Rotten Tomatoes, the excited-to-see section of Marvel's page, and following other controversies like The Last Jedi, RT has since removed that option. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Once you see the movie, it just highlights how ridiculous all of yeah. the Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is. Because when you see the movie, it's completely unrelated to any of the furor, all of the sound and fury that came at that came at it before it was even released. Right. Like it completely shows just how ridiculous all of that is. Mm-hmm. I agree. But what's I what I find unfortunate these days over the past few years is that if there's a minority led initiative, movie, etc., from politics to movies, there are oftentimes valid criticisms for that particular situation that's a good point Mm -hmm. last jedi um the 2016 campaign i won't go deep into that at Mm -hmm. all but you know because there are so many extreme and silly criticisms brought up by racism or sexism Mm -hmm. the things that are valid are often dismissed in the same category yeah right and i mean at the end of the day just having a movie with a woman in it doesn't make it a feminist movie. Yes. Just, I mean, if it did, then Green Book would be awesome because it would be an awesome anti-racism movie, right? Uh, so just having somebody who is a minority in a movie doesn't make, or somebody who is of a particular population in a movie doesn't necessarily make the movie a champion for a group of people. Right. And it's just, like I said, it's just, it's so ridiculous that people are so sensitive to the idea of anybody who is not them. Mm-hmm. being in the forefront of a conversation or mm-hmm. a story that they have to make everything about uh their their weak their their feelings of, th- of being threatened it's just ridiculous yeah and there's layers to it right mm-hmm. yeah, even when it comes to criticisms there's intersectionality mm-hmm. and, and critique right? right 
And I think the thing that that a lot of people feel as if they can capitalize on mm-hmm. when it comes to being able to crit- critique, mm-hmm. and it, for example, people that r- ride really hard mm-hmm. for, for example, Hillary Clinton, yeah. right? People that ride really hard for certain candidates that are in the uh, 2020 race right now. Right. A lot of what they try to throw back at you when you're talking about actual systemic issues that some of these candidates have question marks next to. Again, they come back at you with, well, then it's just because you're, mm, you know, being course. misogynist or it's because you, right. you know, mm-hmm. have X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I guess all of that to say, if we say something that we don't like about this movie, it is not because we are anti-feminist. It is not because we are anti-white, if that is even really a thing. It is not because we are anti-anybody. It's because we watched the movie and we have opinions about it. That's all. By the way, let me introduce... <laughs> the rest of the crew here <laughs> we have lady mel hi what's going on and returning it's been almost half a year yeah oh, God, it's been yeah. a while it's been it's been a minute sky we haven't seen you since the coming to america show yeah that's right yeah it's good to be How back you, been? you got a baby now congratulations oh, yeah, Ooh, yeah congratulations. he's Woo-hoo. uh He's a self-sustaining individual already, sure. so I gotta put him out there on the street, get to work. Bring him a free-range kid. Yeah, free-range <laughs> child. <laughs> okay, with those introductions out of the way, the movie's out. So we're gonna talk about how this movie holds up as a standalone, as well as part of this unprecedented, ever-expanding cinematic universe. So let's start off with the structure and story. Mm-hmm. So. It starts off with Carol already on the Kree planet, Hala, with some of her powers already. As the trailer already shows, she's having, she's seeing these glimpses of her past. And the movie's main goal is to uncover that mystery on Earth, as well as fight the shape-shifting aliens called the Skrulls. This is a period piece, and it really made me feel old. Uh, when you said it like that, yeah, I feel old too. A period piece? Wow. It's a period piece. <laughs> yeah. It has to be considered that now. Yeah, I guess. Wow. The 80s have been mined to death Mm. at this point. Stranger Things and Guardians of the Galaxy. So now, where do we have left to go? Especially because we're we're entering a new decade soon. Yeah. Is the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Be ready for very colorful shirts and and all that that crap. Wow. Crop tops. Cross colors. Oof. (laughs) Fubu. All right. Uh, did Fubu ever go away? I mean, if if so, I didn't get the memo. I don't think so. Oh, okay. So in this movie, there are a ton of visual and audio cues to tell you this is the '90s. So in the trailer, you see her falling through the blockbuster, and there were various uh, movies and posters we saw in there. Was it uh, True Lies? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hook. Uh, cops are listening to Salt and Pepper. You have Garbage, the rock band yeah. playing. Mm-hmm. Um, She's wearing nine inch nail shirts. There's <laughs> yeah. AOL passwords. And, flannel around her waist. Right. You see her interacting with old computers and the beginning of the internet. And yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a funny joke there. I won't spoil it, but that was really good. And speaking of jokes, there are laughs. This was a pretty funny movie. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Brie Larson had good chemistry on screen, I think. Yeah, I think it was. I, I I was really impressed actually. Uh, um, I went into the movie with high expectations, but the the overall uh, chemistry that they had with the the main characters was really good. I really enjoyed it. 
from that from that perspective for sure. Sure. And of course, you all saw the cat in the poster, mm-hmm. and <laughs> the cat was also really fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, how'd you feel about the de aging effects on Samuel Jackson? It did a really good job, actually. Mm. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. It did a really good job with that. I thought it would have some moments of looking plasticky or weak or weird, but it really looked authentic. And you can tell that they really looked extensively at actual footage of Samuel L. Jackson when he was younger. Because yeah. his face was moving correctly. He just looked like a younger version of himself. It was really well done. I was thinking about this when I was making notes for the show. Do you think it was because, of course, you've had uh, Hank Pym Mm -hmm. and RDJ and Civil War. Yeah. Right. Do you think it was maybe easier to do it on him because he had darker skin or not? Black don't crack, baby. Yes, maybe. Yeah, (laughs) possibly. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think... I think with all three of those actors, they have a pretty substantial index of like past performances, sure. so they know what they look like as they have as they've aged and as when they were younger. So I don't know, maybe, okay. possibly. Mm-hmm. I think they did. I think I think a lot of it has to do with the um, the way that they were able to, as as Mel said, go back through their you know their catalog, and really look at everything from you know their still photos, their press photos, you know, uh, the way that they actually. Uh, go through their mannerisms and the way that they can mm-hmm. do a lot of the CGI layering these days um, is just, I mean, it's amazing. I think he did. I think they did a really great job. I, he he looked. He did. It wasn't like the Superman, you know, right. ma- like when in, in in Justice League, yeah. right? It wasn't yeah. like the 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 the, the, no. the way that they covered up yeah, his the mustache. surfboard mustache. I didn't question this at all. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, actually, I was worried about it though because if you look at the way that they usually do effects makeup on people who have darker skin to make them older or younger, it's almost always terrible. Mm. So the fact that they were able to pull this off was was a pleasant surprise. Are you talking about glass? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm talking about glass and the Temptations movie and literally every movie on earth where they have a black person playing mm. somebody who is not their original age. Mm. And sometimes when they are playing their original age. Yeah. How'd you feel about the supporting cast? I was happy. I, I, I gotta be honest with you, the supporting cast that made me it wasn't cheesy. The 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 thing that I was afraid of from I guess what I saw and just some of the, the, the clips that I saw was that it would, you know, end up there's gonna be a lot of really cheese fest moments, right? Um I think the supporting cast was really vibrant. They really were. They they didn't give them really shitty lines. I think, um, and there were substance to those characters. Hmm. I liked it personally. That's that's just me. That's just me. Yeah, yeah, it's, okay. it's, it is just you. Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't so, know. So yeah. it begins. Oh gosh, I mean, I I thought some of the supporting characters were better than others. I thought there were a few who were really meant to have a strong part. Uh, who really didn't come across that way. I think the thing is, the ones who really did well are ones that we are already familiar with because we have such an extensive history with Marvel, the Marvel Universe on film right now. I mean, there's, what, 21 movies or something crazy like that? Yeah, we're past the 10-year mark. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a whole decade's worth of movies that we have. So some of those characters who are in this film, who are side characters, we've known for a while. And those characters came across really well. But some of the newer characters... Were I, I wasn't really feeling them to be mm. honest. Yeah, I liked the best friend Maria Lambeau, played by Lashana Lynch. 
I mm. wanted to love her, but I think she was pretty poorly written personally. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to separate the script mm-hmm. and direction from performance. Right. True. Because mm-hmm. I haven't, I just realized that I never even talked about Brie Larson's character, how we felt about Carol Danvers herself. Mm. Yeah. And I think that'll be saved for maybe some negative criticism later on. Mm-hmm. But I agree with Mel in the sense of the writing for this movie never really gave really anyone. It was a lot of announcing and explaining. Yes. Mm. You Not don't really, yeah. You, everybody, everything we knew about most of the characters that we hadn't seen before we knew because it was explained to us by another character, not because we saw it happen. Yeah. So that got a little tiresome. As Absolutely. far as the actress who played Monica Ram Monica Rambo? The daughter. No, uh sorry, the mother. Maria. The one who played Maria Rambo, uh, she did the best with what she had, but she wasn't really given a whole lot in my opinion. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to see a dark skin black woman in yes. a non-wakandan film totally yeah. i wanted to and really and having Single a mother yeah really new, a role with a lot of opportunity for nuance yes mm-hmm. right and and the thing that i liked the really liked about that is that it was a single black mother it wasn't a you know single uh uh racially ambiguous mother um that was you know she was blackity black you mm. know what i mean and i really liked that um, I also really like the fact that they did not make her, you know, a a weepy pushover, or they didn't make right. her into a stereotype. Right. Um, right. That that's something that I really really enjoyed about uh, the the overall her overall character. Yeah, I, I agree actually with that, and I think that that is the strength of her performance because if you just look at what she was given to work with, yeah, in the hands of a lesser actress, it could have totally been a stereotype. Oh sure. So I Absolutely. think she did a really good job. That was a very good choice of performance for her. I think yeah. she really chose to take that character in a non-stereotypical direction. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about the villain? Ben Milson was in Rogue One. Yeah. He was also mm-hmm. the bad guy in Ready Player One. That's oh, that's right. right. He was. Yeah, he was yeah. in Australia with Hugh Jackman. Yep. Jackman. Yeah. Anyway. And he, <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Um, he, you know, he he also cut his teeth um, in the superhero universe from the uh, Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, that's right. Oh, really? He was the, he was the Bane. Uh, he was Bane's. Person. He was Bane's benefactor. Oh, right. That actually right. bought oh, okay. the League of Shadows into the city. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah the one. Oh, I, okay. I yeah, paid, I remember I him now. You. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, the one who Bane kind of does that great Do thing where feel he feel in charge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He lays his hand on his shoulder, and you're like, oh, that he was dead. super creepy. He real dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I thought he was fine. He wasn't on a Killmonger Thanos level of great. Or even close, but he wasn't like Thor to Dark Elves. Yeah, I don't think he could have been really. I yeah. think, yeah. again, this was a really different kind of movie. It was a whole lot of setup, so he did what he could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he had a lot of cheek in his character. He was a very cheeky character. Um, and there's a reason for that. You mm-hmm. know, when you see the movie, you know, it'll explain and you'll understand why. But he wasn't meant to be a killmonger he wasn't meant to be a thanos he right. wasn't meant to be any of those you know darker villains that we've seen in all the past films right i enjoyed it i got to say again but again i've i've got a lot more of a, i guess probably a lot more positives about the film that than than more negatives mm. um but i thought he had a really upbeat performance yeah yeah the action the third act 
I think was pretty good. There's going to be inevitable comparisons to Wonder Woman with this movie. Yeah. And in regards to the action, I found the action in this movie overall fairly forgettable. Okay. Yeah. Aside from the third act. Third act, when she really comes into her own and becomes the hero that we see in the trailer, mm-hmm. I thought that scene was pretty cool. And it showed you why she is the strongest Marvel character. Mm-hmm. But up until that point. Right. It got better as it went. I mean, the film starts with a lot of action, but it takes a really long time to figure out exactly what's going on. I felt like all of the action was shot a little dark. Mm-hmm. So yes. it was kind of hard to track who was who. And when you can't when you don't know who, who, who is who, you can't really care about who like the stakes in a fight. Really. Absolutely. So it was hard to kind of track people. And I think that was part of it. To go back to your point about the the about highlighting how, you know, after this movie, you figure out in most of the audience will understand why Captain Marvel is kind of at the at the top when it comes to her overall abilities, right? Into being the strongest character within the expanded MCUs. You know, I think the reason why a lot of the action took so long to build up was because she's so OP. I really think that has a lot to do with it. Another case, I think, and again, this is a this is me expounding and probably grabbing for straws, but I really do feel that a lot of this movie was more of a, it was an identity piece. Like, right. It was yeah. it was written to be kind of to figure out, okay, who is Captain Marvel? Who is Carol Danvers? And where is this individual going to play? Because again, what do we have coming up next? What's coming right. up next, right? Yeah. So these are great segues into going a little deeper into the things that we didn't like so much. Okay. And then you may agree or disagree on these things. So sure. number one that stood out, and this connects to what we were just talking about, this is an oddly sequenced origin story. Mm-hmm. Mm. They gave her powers a planet, a new planet, new friends, and missions within the first, what, 10 minutes yeah. of yeah, this movie. Exactly. And so as Mel said, because of that, when we see this action unfold and these characters talk, we don't really know what's going on it feels like it starts in the middle of the movie yes like it's confusing at first you yeah. kind of feel like you've missed something but you i knew i was there from the beginning so right. i didn't know what was going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. imagine if we were never introduced to black panther in civil war mm-hmm. and the movie just starts and he has to save nakia and defeats those people and you don't know really what's happening right. and then it just jumps into it yeah you would feel kind of what's what's going on yeah but I think actually, even as a standalone film, I think Black Panther still did a better job of kind of easing you into that world. Yeah, though. definitely. But yeah, it just because it, felt it shows really... you more than it tells. It's Absolutely. Sort of, this movie, okay. Full disclosure, I thought this movie was whack, and the more I think about it, the whacker I think it is. But <laughs> I think part of the thing, part of the problem, is that it is sort of an action piece, and then a lot of explaining. Then another action piece, then a lot of explaining. So they kind of don't really balance it. You don't really get a lot of moments that show you who the characters are. And that's part that's partly because of the sequencing. Yeah. Yeah. Literally at the end of the second act, Maria Lambeau, her best friend, literally lists out characteristics for Carol Danvers to tell her who she is and yeah. to tell the audience who she is, who she is. so that we can mm-hmm. understand her character. But leading up to that, from the start of the movie it was such a hard time to even start to understand who this person was because it's kind of an amnesia film. She doesn't know who she is, but she's exhibiting these personality traits that I'm like, well, where, where does the memory loss end? And 
-hmm. it was hard for me to understand who she was and because of that it was hard to connect Mm. to this character okay um i don't i don't think this movie really knew what it was trying to be and because of that i had trouble understanding who carol danvers was right and let alone connect with her like i have other mcu characters even the lead ones or the supporting characters. Right. Yeah. I think it had an issue with tone because it was hard to figure out. Is it trying to be light and funny like Guardians of the Galaxy? Is it trying to be, uh, like you said, an identity piece yeah. where it's, you know, like Black Panther, where it's kind of really setting up one character in their universe? Right. Or is it trying to be dark and introspective and brooding like Captain America Winter Soldier? I mean, it mm-hmm. never really, it kind of bounced around between all of those. It never really established a tone. I really thought it was going to because the way it starts and the way it kind of bounces around a bit in the beginning, I thought, oh, so they're really doing like a straight sci-fi Marvel movie now. Right. This will be interesting. But it never quite got there. Yeah. From that perspective, I think that those are, are all really good points. I think the reason why it may resonate, especially on really thoughtful, really intuitive Marvel fans, right? I think for them, they'll have that same feeling but I think for the directors and for the, the, the producers and for all of the handlers of the MCU, mm-hmm. they're like, look, we're going into Endgame, mm. right? And we've got to find a very happy balance to kind of set this character up. And I think that they were, were almost too cautious in doing it. Maybe that's I think it, a yeah. lot of that had to do with they want to be cautious by not really giving too much of what Carol Danvers is about. But at the same time, they still really wanted to make sure that this was a cornerstone leading into Endgame. Mm -hmm. That's just that's just a hypothesis, but I think that's what happened. Hmm. Maybe. What do you think, Brendan? I think a good comparison for this movie is Ultron, and that Mm. or Iron Man Two. Okay. Mm. The Screen Junkies. Yeah. Did a review, and they called this movie a Phase One movie in Phase Three. Mm. yeah i think that's I can, a good I yeah can, i mm-hmm. can go with that the movie's trying to answer too many questions mm-hmm. and set things up so At the last minute you know how did fury <clears throat> get the space pager to Endgame? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. how did this woman get her powers mm-hmm. how did she become a hero mm-hmm. how will she fit in with Endgame? Mm-hmm. are there seeds planted here that will come back in phase four mm-hmm. for captain marvel 2 it was really trying to serve too many masters and like as we've been talking about we're constantly being told who she is. And even if we are shown these things, they either feel rushed or unearned. Right. And what made yeah. that so weird to me is knowing that this was filmed after Endgame. So they've already had her set up like as a fully fledged character. She's already slotted into the whole universe in mm-hmm. Endgame. She's just there. And then they film this after. Okay. So that's what's confusing. That is weird. <laughs> yeah. Very weird. So that makes me worried for Endgame. Because they did a weird job of setting up a character that they'd already established in another movie. Oh, I think that may previously. that may have a that may be a lot mm-hmm. to do with the fact mm-hmm. that they did shoot in game first, mm-hmm. and then Captain Marvel came after sh- they they they'd already finished the wrap. They've mm-hmm. already done and they were in post production. I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very very cautiously hopeful mm-hmm. that that's what happened was that they looked at all all what they did mm-hmm. and they're like, wow, this is actually. Really, really good, but we still need to set up what Captain Marvel's role is. We may have painted ourselves into a corner. Right, yeah. I think they may have done right. that. Right, yeah, maybe, okay. hopefully. Just going back to connecting with the character. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it, and I didn't have 
a strong feeling about her like I did when I left the Iron Man films or Captain America or even Thor, T'Challa, Peter Quill. With every other MCU movie, there's no ambiguity about who the leads are, what they stand for, what their objectives are, what they want. Even supporting characters, mm-hmm. Fury, right. uh, Gamora, mm-hmm. Groot, Rocket, Drax, we can connect to these characters. Mm-hmm. But it was very hard to do that with this movie. Difficult, yeah. It made me miss Black Widow because she's always kind of the side, the, the sidekick lady in all of the other uh, Marvel movies. But you get a real sense of her as a nuanced human being, and unfortunately. And this is what I mean when I say, when you see the movie, it shows you just how ridiculous all of this furor about, oh no, the feminists are taking over, the women are taking <laughs> over. Because when you watch this movie, there's really nothing about this character that says strong, nuanced, interesting portrayal of a woman. You could literally put a potato in a wig in the same role and have the same man. Man, you said put a tuber in a wig, man. Yes, That's... exactly. And not a sweet potato, a regular white potato. That was cold <laughs> ah, Wow. I'm just saying, she. You. I just really, I think that it made me annoyed because I was really hoping that, because, you know, there was so much talk about this being the strong feminist icon, the yeah. first female uh the first female-led marvel movie all of these things and then you basically just get a lady in a skin-tight bodysuit having people explain to her who she is that's really annoying so that's why i couldn't connect her i feel real talk alita battle angel was more feminist than this because alita is a whole character okay she has a whole personality she has you know what she likes you know what she dislikes and those are and she shows you her personality it's not explained to her by all the other people in her universe. She actually fights back against that. Whereas Captain Marvel is entirely defined by the people around her. Boo. That's all I'm saying. Sorry. No, I, moving on. I can't argue with that. <laughs> can't argue with that. Let me go get you a flamethrower. <laughs> we'll just go right, right just down saying. the CGB <laughs> and you just have at it. I'm just saying. I was really disappointed. I was sure. really hoping... That's why I said I miss Black Widow because she's a, she's a nuanced character. Wow. Lover or hater. While we're here, mm-hmm. let's just go into the another negative point I had, uh, the gender cliches. Mm-hmm. I felt like a bit of them were too heavy-handed on the nose, and they frankly just felt dated. There was mm-hmm. a man who literally tells her, how about a smile? Yeah. And I'm like, we're, we've are we been past this for a while now. Can mm-hmm. we update our misogyny right. to give... Mm-hmm. At least the lady's better, right. more updated sense of feminism. Like- could she have had some sort of response to that? I mean, she's literally a space superhero. The guy's like, how about a smile? And she doesn't respond at, at all. all. That's right. She but just, again, she this just is, looks at him. Yeah. This is also mm-hmm. a period piece at the same time, though. Right. Um, I think a lot of those, um, you know, cliche cat calls and things like that. Yeah, okay. For example, I think that was put in there purposefully to kind of highlight you know look how i mean because this, this uh, again at that time this is 1995 right, right. 94 95 yeah. mid 90s yeah. mid 90s this is very much and and when i saw those you know mm-hmm. those bits and pieces it was very very familiar to me because i'm like yeah people actually really like openly talk like that True. like all the time like even like at restaurants like I would hear stuff like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When people are talking to the service and in, in, in the on the street, mm-hmm. so I think that was put on there on purpose. Mm-hmm. I would just argue that people still talk that way now. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, sure. obviously yeah, it's cut yeah. down. So if you're gonna do something of that nature, so 
again, a comparison to Wonder Woman, I think Wonder Woman handled its feminism in a more (laughs) subtle way. Yeah. Um, you know, she walked into the into the men's uh, the generals meeting, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Why is why is the woman in here?" Obviously, at that time, yeah, they would say, "Why is a woman in here?" Mm-hmm. At whereas today, it'd be like, "What is mm-hmm. this person doing in here?" That would right. be updated, sure. Right. Whereas people still talk about have a smile. You know, one of them was like, "Women need men to procreate, not uh, mm-hmm. for pleasure." There were right. There she were... has a strong response. It's a character defining moment that yes. also shows you how she thinks of herself. Mm. So, and that you know, maybe that's the the core problem. You never really get a sense of how Captain Marvel thinks about herself. You just get a very strong projection of her confusion because she has amnesia. But amnesia doesn't mean you lose a sense of yourself. It just means you lose the memories that make you yourself. Yes. So, but mm. but you are still you. So you never really get like a sense that she has any she doesn't really have a very strong sense of interiority which is why last night when we saw this i said to you this is basically the green book of feminist films because it is a matter of like she doesn't have a strong sense of interiority at all everything about her is defined by other people and other people's perception and other people telling her who she is Mm. which is frustrating it's kind of interesting because nick fury is kind of the comic relief but he also his character is much more strongly established again because we already know him sure but we're you know getting to know a different side of him and that's still much more strongly established because he's able to define himself it's much more interesting i totally agree with you i want to talk about the lack of world building with this movie Mm -hmm. i compared it already to thor right in regards to you kind of see a little bit of asgard in that movie but they don't really go deep into it and i Mm -hmm. felt the same way about Planet Hala and the Cree culture. Right. I think there's a reason for that, though. Okay. Uh, they do have a release date scheduled for The Eternals, and The Eternals gets more into that. The Eternals is like a really obscure, well, maybe it's not obscure anymore. I haven't read comics in a while, but it was a really obscure branch of Marvel comics that goes into all of those different planets mm-hmm. and the Cree and the Skrull and all of that. Right. So bec- they <clears throat> might do what they did with Thor, where they don't really touch on it deeply here, but then in the future they have another movie that's set entirely there. Sure. So that might be why they didn't get into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. And if the sequels make this movie better, mm-hmm. that's fine. But we just came off of Black Panther, which showed us <laughs> right. just an amazing world and amazing characters and culture. Yeah. And to kind of regress back, like I said, into a phase one like movie, mm-hmm. it just, in phase three, mm-hmm. it just didn't rub me the right way. Yeah. I think that's probably the the main complaint that that I think that we're really kind of, uh, I think that we're kind of we're kind of seeing what they did is that Marvel has had a very distinct release schedule, right? Mm-hmm. They've had a very very distinct formula for mm-hmm. the kinds of movies they put out each year. The blockbuster always comes during the blockbuster season, right? Right. And then the holdovers, right? The connect, yeah, I, I like to call them the the connecting Lego bricks, mm, come mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year and then at right. the end of the year, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and the reason why, of course, that they've put, um, they've put this movie in particular because one, we're going into Endgame, right. but two, also, I think I honestly do think that a lot of the points that you guys or making it as far as the negatives mm-hmm. are probably some of the same things that their review panel saw. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? I, I can guarantee you 
that the review panel said, we're really looking forward to Endgame. Mm -hmm. I can kind of see why you bookended this because of these reasons. Mm -hmm. And this was a, you know, overall was a bookend movie. Mm -hmm. It was. Now, that being said, um, I think there are some other deeper points that we're about to get into that really do, if you look at it, kind of give some other merits to the movie. Okay, well, before we go there, I have two other main negatives for this movie. Number one, the inconsistency of powers. Okay. The movie never establishes anyone's weaknesses or limits. So, as you said before, when we were introduced to the action and we didn't know who these people were, Mm -hmm. there were very little stakes while watching the fights. Uh, The only time I felt something was when Fury was involved. It's because we at least knew that he was a human past his athletic prime and the skulls we at least knew were superhuman on some level right Mm -hmm. but a problem i had i mean these aren't spoilers these are just just things happen a scroll dies in a car accident but carol danvers gives it a full hit with her photon blast and it's fine Mm. right um yeah carol could send aliens flying in one scene but another scene several Regular humans can hold her back. <clears throat> Carol got knocked out by a space taser, mm-hmm. but she can fall from the sky into a blockbuster video and get up like nothing happened. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was on some Aquaman levels of inconsistency, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Huh, interesting. That's a good point. I think with the thing with the scroll is uh, unexplained application of the source material because that particular scroll who got hit by the photon blast in the comics can't shapeshift, right. but does have super strength and super resilience, but they just kind of mushed it all together because mm. you've got to have a shape-shifting scroll because they didn't want i don't think they wanted to explain all of that yeah super so, scroll. yeah basically okay. yeah he literally is super scroll but yeah he yeah. <laughs> can't shape yeah and, and mm. i know the yeah. the mm. particular source material that that's right. coming exactly. from. exactly that... so i think that they just yeah. were trying to use the source material but didn't explain it okay mm-hmm. so because of all this i think when she finally becomes as powerful as we want to see or what's shown in the money shots of the trailer. Like, none of those powers feel earned. Hmm. And you don't really feel a sense of accomplishment. I mean, she was really OP the whole time, as you said. There was never really any struggle with her. Yeah. You never really feel like she needs more power, do you? Needs more power, or she needs to change herself to control Mm -hmm. the power. I mean, they say it, Mm -hmm. but you don't really show it at all yeah and you don't have any sort of emotional attachment to her level up in power like you do even okay iron man 2 is not good but you do want iron man to get better at being iron man by the end of it where you don't really have that feeling for captain Marvel. and you also want him to create Mm -hmm. that element right exactly he he put Mm -hmm. in the work Mm -hmm. to fix himself exactly exactly there's nothing about this movie they talk about how she's too emotional and she needs to control her emotions. But there was nothing in the movie that showed that mm-hmm. she was like some crazy hothead. Yeah. If anything, she was under emotional and that's yeah. weird. Like you get a lot of explaining and you get a lot of like bursts of tears out of nowhere. Seriously, this movie was almost borderline offensive in some of its tropes and stereotypes, right? Like you get the whole, we're friends and I missed you. So all of a sudden I'm crying, I'm crying. And she doesn't even cry back. It's just, it's really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, by the end, you can see why she's strong, but mm-hmm. I just felt it felt empty. But you don't to me. care that she is. I don't care, and that's the yeah. problem. Yeah. I think one of the pro, uh, the primary reasons I think that 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 may be a big complaint, and that that Brendan's touching on in particular, is because, 
again, you know, we're going into a movie where she already is, you know, Captain Marvel. She mm-hmm. already is that person. She's already mm-hmm. that, you know, that hero. She's a meta human at this point yeah. already, right? The problem is, is that we are getting the glimpse of who she is, right, in retrograde from, you know, whether it be from, uh, you know, some of the things that they, you know, the, the, the flashback sequences that she has here and there throughout the movie. We're just gleaning that, right? We're gleaning that from, you know, where she, where she, who she is inside, right? That she's always been, you know, this fighter, right? This person that mm. overcomes adversity. Mm-hmm. And again, I think maybe it's because we didn't have more of that as actual, uh, actual parts of the act, as right. major parts of the act, to really start to give you that that mm-hmm. deeper connection with who she was at her core. Right. It, yeah, it's really difficult because yeah. they don't give you any kind of origin story. Even the ones like Black Panther that dump you right into the world of that hero, there's still origin stories to some extent. Sure. But you don't have any of that for her, and that does make it more difficult to connect, I think. Yeah. But I don't think they could have done the origin because the Captain Marvel character is really complicated, and the whole backstory yeah. is complicated. I don't know how they could have made that into a movie. I don't know. I would also add that Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm also it's in that category of you're it's kind of being rebooted a kind of an origin story about mm-hmm. how this person becomes who we mm-hmm. see today yeah. right yeah so we've we've seen these kind of different takes on introducing a character so we've seen it done so to have the latest movie about the most powerful hero who is a woman mm-hmm. just feels so empty and lackluster really it really stood out to me mm-hmm. yeah the my last big criticism of the movie was the music. By the end of the movie, the music really started to make my eyes roll, particularly <laughs> yeah. one of the ending fights, mm-hmm. and you'll know when that yeah, happens. Yeah, 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 you will. Um, it's all a little too on the nose, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, it's kind of, really, you picked that song? I mean, come on. <laughs> there were other songs in the 90s about women. Really good so, ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some really good ones. Yeah, there were some really good ones, but then it just, they kind of overdated a bit, I think. It definitely was overdone. I feel like the movie just tried to copy Guardians and mm-hmm. had a ragtag group of people, even a furry one, and old music. And <laughs> but, know, and old point. music. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the problem the problem that separates the use of music in Guardians and Captain Marvel is Peter Quill had a deep connection with every song played. Right. And exactly. the music was almost a character in itself. Yeah. Exactly. So Again. in contrast yeah. Carol has zero connection to these songs because she has amnesia. Exactly. It comes back down to emotional connection. And again, just because you have amnesia doesn't mean you forget to like music, right? Like, even if she doesn't remember hearing the song, she could have still had a moment where she heard the song and was like, oh, I like this, and moved on with it. She had no emotional connection to anything in her surroundings whatsoever. You're yeah. right. That It comes exactly down to that. Yeah. I mean, there are some movies lately that pay homage to old source material or like you know you talk about the lego batman there's references but it doesn't just stop to say huh look at this it it's a part of the story and it's it's fun yeah and this movie harkens back to old filmmaking where they kind of stop the movie to remember this remember that Mm -hmm. huh look at this Mm -hmm. look at this old crazy technology and look at this cool song that you forgot about yeah. Right. And honestly, having seen Sugar, the only other film by these directors that I've seen, I'm kind of surprised they took such a basic approach because Sugar mm. was far more nuanced than this. 
Well, I'll give them. I'll I'll, I'll give mm-hmm. them learning curve uh, mm-hmm. handicap yeah. on this now. Yeah, maybe. Um, because a lo- again, you're talking about a uh, about two you know writers that are coming into the, the franchise as rookies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this franchise and this this entire universe as a whole, um, is probably the hottest property in cinema right now, hands down. Sure. Um, you know because it's it's bankable. It's it's right. already it's already made billions and billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um. And there are high expectations. You've, you're, you're talking about bringing in people that, one, you've got the faithful, you know, old school comic book readers that have always been into the universe. True. But then you got to satisfy them. But then you're also getting a lot of fan service for the lay person MCU fan. Right. right? Yeah. And so that's what I'm going to give them a handicap on. That's not to say that I'm not saying that maybe it's a little bit lazy, mm, because yeah. it is, mm-hmm. and, and it's a fair criticism to say it, 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 there was some things in that that were lazy. Right. Um, that being said, though, I think that them coming into it with the how high the expectations really are mm-hmm. for this movie, sure. that the bar was set really high for them. Mm-hmm. Um, not excusing again, you know, some of the laziness that you would see in some of the points that you just pointed out, uh, Brendan, but. You're right. You know, some of the things that you would want to be like actual Easter eggs mm-hmm. weren't more of Easter eggs as far as they were just omelets already prepared on a Right. Yeah, right? definitely. Exactly. So yeah. I, I, I can get mm-hmm. with that. And it is something that I think right. that, that for the lay the, the lay person fan, they will probably just crack up at it, right? Right. Whereas yeah. you have again the deeper, more mm-hmm. you know you know, the 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 hard the hard nosed fans, right? Mm-hmm. The ones that collected the books might just kind of be grumble and just be like, right. you know, screaming at clouds. If I yeah. may. Go ahead. <laughs> you I may. Just, I feel like at movie 21 yeah, and billions upon billions of dollars later, you don't have to, this whole hardcore crowd are, are trying to bring in a bigger tent of people. That's, sure. that's, that's mm-hmm. been done. That's, yeah. that, that time is over now. Yeah. There's nothing that they need to do to bring in more people to appreciate right. this movie. And exactly. so I can't give them a pass for that. I just found myself thinking at one point during the movie, okay, if I'd never seen another Marvel movie and I was just coming into this completely fresh and this is the first Marvel movie I'd seen, would I want to see another one? And I just thought, no, not really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this it was cute, but it wasn't good. <laughs> no. But there have been a couple yeah. like that, though. That's true, the Ant- Ant-Man. <clears throat> but yes, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I wanted to finish my point with uh, the, the music. Again, there's a character in itself, and the character, or at least the lead character, engaged with that music. There was never a time with Captain Marvel, as you said, no mm-hmm. comment where, you know, Star-Lord caught a lizard mm-hmm. and sang into it as yeah, a microphone. Right. In, in the first, what, few minutes of mm-hmm. the movie, and you're like, this is what this movie's about. Mm-hmm. Right there. There was nothing about Captain Marvel's engagement with this music. Yeah. She never even commented on yeah. it. Ever. Ever. Yeah. The mm-hmm. only thing that we saw was there was an Easter egg of a Guns N' Roses ticket in her um, her old memory box or yeah. whatever. And but, then they didn't play any Guns N' Roses songs, right. which was interesting. I think that maybe some of the lesser known songs from the Guardians soundtrack played a factor. Like, But it Guardians made those songs popular. There's mm-hmm. nothing about this movie or these songs that helped each other out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Come and Get Your Love by Redbone wasn't that popular before it came out like if you right now google come and get your love yeah google will literally fill out the rest of it and say guardians of the galaxy right mm. you can't mm-hmm. type in salt and pepper uh 
what a man and then you're going to get Captain Marvel. Yeah, right. There's nothing about this movie that mm-hmm. gained an identity through the music right. and vice versa. In Guardians of the Galaxy, the, mu- the music was like a background character. It was something that everybody had a connection to or develops a connection to. Yeah. Whereas in Captain Marvel, it almost is like nobody in the movie is aware that there is music. So, no. And that's, it's a, if that's the case, it's a weird choice of soundtrack. And maybe that's a point. It mm-hmm. is a period piece and maybe they're trying to honor... 90s movies by yeah. putting that stuff, you right. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're yeah. going to try to talk about The Matrix this month. Mm-hmm. And obviously no one's aware of, you know, the, the, the propeller heads oh, in, yeah. the, in the lobby while they're mm-hmm. shooting guns off. Right, of course, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, um, so maybe they're they're doing an homage to that, but I really just wasn't feeling it this time mm-hmm. yeah. at all. Right. Uh, speaking of music, I thought the score was completely forgettable. There was no theme for Captain Marvel that I can, like, again, comparison to Wonder Woman, hate it or love it, that theme song, you know it, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Iron Man song. I mean, yeah. uh, the Avengers theme. These yeah. things resonate. Obviously, Captain America or Thor. I can't really think uh, of their yeah. themes. Yeah. But this is again in mm-hmm. the again. This is not like a female centric. It's because she's a woman, or like Captain Marvel is the only person who doesn't have a memorable score. Which again, I found borderline offensive. They just, they couldn't bother to give her an actual like piece of orchestral yeah. music that defines her if she's the most powerful person in this universe and she has no theme song come on now even for the wakandans you know black panther's theme but also for for the women when the mm-hmm. women start exactly. fighting and you hear that the that, the, yeah, the female yeah. chorus mm-hmm. cloth and you're yeah. man mm-hmm. i'm i get hype off that every yeah. time exactly mm-hmm. there was nothing like that exactly. for captain marvel and that was a shame Exactly. Shuri was a better Captain Marvel than Captain Marvel. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really Talk didn't like this movie. Talk about it. So <laughs> we are getting a little bit uh, pressed for time. Yeah. So let's just kind of put in our closing remarks, yeah? Obviously, the standard for feminism in these modern comic book movie times is not this movie. Right. And again, I don't think it's Wonder Woman. I still think it's Black Panther. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, for me, this ranks near the bottom of the list as far as MCU movies go. It may even be the worst at this point for me. It's yeah. it's really down there for me. Right, yeah. If you're a fan of Marvel, you're going to see it anyway. Yeah. And I think you'll be entertained if you only want to see it in order to understand why Captain Marvel will be an endgame. You could probably honestly just read the synopsis online. Mm. I'm not sure there's enough in this movie to justify the ticket, at least at full price, uh, to satisfy your curiosity. If that's your only goal, it's a light recommendation for the hardcore Marvel fans, but for just regular people, eh. Hmm. Meh. Yeah. To be fair, we are doing a lot of talking about this movie as a feminist movie but there's actually a lot of other themes in it and but i think we're talking about it because that's been a big part of the hype surrounding it it's not necessarily a feminist movie and it doesn't say that it is nobody has said that this is a feminist movie but it is the first female-led marvel movie uh it jumped the queue so it's ahead of the black widow movie so people were expecting a lot from it um but female-led or not female-led it isn't good if you put a male hero if it had been a male captain marvel i'd have the same things to say um it's just there's not enough characterization there's not enough interiority the thing that i like about the marvel uh the marvel films as compared to the dc films is you really get a sense of the emotional journeys of most marvel characters even ant-man you don't really get that for (laughs) you don't really get that for for captain marvel um yeah yeah uh, i think that 
um, again, for at, at face value, um, and I may probably, I'm probably the biggest cheerleader in, in this group for the listeners out there for this movie. I would say that that there were a lot of high expectations for this movie, and and I think that again because we're we're right now at the cusp of phase four for the MCU, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of things are are, are going to be um, switching up, and and there's a lot of anticipation for that. And I think all of the criticisms that that both you know Lady Mel and, and you know B pointed out are all very fair and true. That being said, um, I do think that it's an enjoyable movie. I think that it'd be a great movie to take your kid to. Um, I think that this is it was a very very uh, you know uh, tween age and even you know eight nine year olds will love it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's fun. It's a mm-hmm. very fun movie. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, there were a lot of things that did drop short. Um, I think that there are some deeper aspects that we didn't get have a chance to get into um, that really do kind of reflect the real politic of what's going on right now, um, you know, in sociopolitical uh, arena. Right. Um, yeah. Talk about it now. Please do. Well, in particular, you know, you're going to see some things that uh, are going to kind of open your eyes about what you think. Uh, or what you may think that you know about the Cree, what you th- might think that you have known um, about, you know, what the the you know the Star Force was all about, you're going to have your eyes opened about that, and a lot of that is going to reflect um, vis-a-vis what's going on right now in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you look for that, you're probably going to find a lot of uh, sociopolitical commentary and rhetoric in that yeah. um, that you can pull from. And I think they did a good job, and 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 to really. You know, to to piggyback on that same point, Marvel's always done a good job throughout most of these movies mm-hmm. um, that are, are are really kind of reflected reflective of of the real politic of the day. Um, and again, you know, Marvel really made their bread and butter, you know, from the comics of reflecting a lot of the socio political uh, turmoil of the day into right. uh, their stories and into the characters themselves. So. You will find that, but uh, I think that they, they, they really did kind of drop the ball a bit on this one. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, as Brendan said, you know, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a, a Thor Dark World. It, I don't think it was that bad, um, but, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, it definitely wasn't a Winter Soldier. So, um, you know, go in there with an open mind, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I'd say go in with lowered expectations. Right. So in conclusion, it was the best of the DC movies. Mm. Man. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm going to change your name to, I'm going to change your nickname to Napalm Mel, man. Oh, uh, sorry. Okay. But I think it deserves the flames this time. Although, you know, you did mention Thor Dark World and I'd block that out due to trauma. It is better than that. It's okay. See? We're good. good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's low though. It is. It's maybe just above. Lord it's Arkwell. like bottom five for me. It's worse I than Ant-Man. I still Man. think it was better than Worse than Ant-Man. Ant-Man and the Wasp. I still think it was better than Ant-Man. I think it was Ant-Man. better than Ant-Man. I mean, I think if you... You're right. I think you make I mean, a good point. I, if you've again, got I kids... I like Ant-Man, yeah. so... Oh, well, okay. <laughs> but I think if you've got kids, I think if you've got little girls, it'd be mm. fun to see yeah, with your kids. Absolutely. I think definitely, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I want to talk about this before, but it's in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler, but mm-hmm. there was a montage of the girls standing up, and the way that it was used in the movie... I it wasn't like I was choked up on it, but I thought that was cool how they did it. Yeah, yeah that was a. There were some really effective moments. I know I'm just you know flaming this movie, but I feel like you know it's going to get enough positive hype anyway. I yes. might as well talk about the negative things. Yeah, there <laughs> there, sure. there are definitely mm-hmm. parts of this film that were definitely entertaining. There were yeah. jokes. There mm-hmm. was good chemistry with yeah. some people. 
Um, and, and, and there were at least two emotional moments for me that I, I resonated with on that level. Yeah. But. And Captain Marvel's final form is very impressive. I am looking forward to what that's going to be like in Endgame. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the budget for this movie was $150 million. And it'll easily make that money back this weekend. Yeah, if it hasn't exactly. already. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Pre-sales, yeah. So now what remains to be seen is whether people will keep going back to see this like we saw with Black Panther and Infinity War. Yeah. And I don't know. I really don't know how folks are going to take it. I mean, there could be a lot of males out there, a lot of me's out there, and a lot of skies out there. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Look, you know, Endgame's already sold itself. Right. In- yeah. Endgame has nothing to worry about. And, and, if, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, I would say that Endgame is going to take in, uh, within the first month or so, a billion dollars. Of course, like I mean, that's I mean, and and Mm -hmm. that might even be a a, you know, we're talking about Titanic type money, like past that, Mm. um, because, you know, Infinity War was just, Mm. so stellar that they again, you know, we are coming with back with the bread and butter cast, but everything's coming, you know, to a close. I think that um, I really do think that when you you know when that comes out uh, this summer this late spring here in, mm-hmm. in Korea, but uh, I think that when that comes out, I think a lot more things will be revealed. Um, I think a lot more is I think that they will probably learn from that. I think that they already know the same things that we've said um, about mm-hmm. the shortcomings. I'm kind of hoping that they will reveal more and maybe help develop her character more. But if they yeah. made this movie. After yeah, I'm yeah. kind of yeah, hoping. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I don't know. But to be fair, Endgame has got more experienced directors, yep. better writers. Well, more experienced writers. Yeah. And I think that there's no way that Endgame is going to be bad. At no, this no. Point. I think no. that it's going to be pretty tightly done. We might get a because, to be fair, the interesting thing I think about Endgame and about this movie coming out before Endgame is that no, none of the main characters that we've grown to know and love in Endgame have any idea who Captain Marvel is. So right. she's going to have to be reintroduced. True. Right. And that will probably be handled better in that movie. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, that's a good point. It's actually a very good point. Yeah. It's kind of the reverse of your Spider-Man or your, your Black Panther. Sure. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. That's, that's a good take. Um, let's talk about the Stingers. We don't have to talk about what they are. But mm-hmm. if you do care about in game, the mid credit sequence yeah. is essential to watch. It's very yes. important. Yes, uh, the end, just like um, Ant Man or Homecoming, it's a joke. But yeah. honestly, I knew what it, I knew what it was going to be, or at least I knew what mm-hmm. character it was going to involve mm-hmm. before it happened. Yeah, sure. But it was, yeah, it was, know, it was yeah. fine. It was, it was fine. Yeah. If you don't have any, any anywhere to go immediately after the mm-hmm. show or have to pee immediately. Right. Stick around. It's it's to be cute. Fair, that the maybe mid- is the best character in the whole movie. So I, I stick around. I actually, <laughs> I agree. I think we've done all the general non-spoiler stuff. Do you all want to briefly? Because this movie honestly doesn't have a lot of spoilers, no, so we can briefly go into it for a few minutes and then sure. clock out. Yeah, yeah sure. no doubt. Mm-hmm. So if you have not seen this movie or you don't care at this point, if Mel and I have ruined mm-hmm. this enough for you and you don't care, <laughs> I'm being overly negative. I know, but no, I really just no, didn't like the movie. I'm I sorry, but that's fair mm-hmm. though. No, I think everything you said was fair, and yeah. I'm and I'm in your camp. Yeah. So I I'm. Not Thank hating, you. I appreciate hating. it. I, I really, I, and again, I I want you guys to understand that that I'm I'm talking about the positives, but I'm I guess you could say I'm more of the the Nancy Pelosi of the camp for this particular oh, no. film, oh, wow. um, just because I'm I'm seeing a lot of the things that they're saying. I think they're all fair, uh, and I do think that there's a lot of things about it that 
Mm. Yeah, it's like, man, you did drop the ball on that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I still really enjoyed it. Okay. Okay. I mean, I definitely said mm-hmm. it was entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Not, it wasn't... Unwatchable. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't unwatchable. Mm-hmm. All right. Without a doubt. In spoiler, semi-spoiler territory, I actually have a question, because you're ex-military, aren't you? That's right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What did you think about the portrayal of the pilots? I thought it was yeah. very good. Okay. Um and, and again, you know, just a little bit of backstory. A lot of what you're going to see, and this is this is not that spoilery, but yeah. um, because you, you always kind of gleaned that from what the what the uh, spoiler. I mean, I'm sorry, what the trailers were. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, you know, the military um, just recently has opened up all combat positions to 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 women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just about two three years ago, um, and because of that. I think a lot of what they did to portray this, because this was at the very far front, you know, beginning at that period, you know, in the mid nineties mm-hmm. where there were more and more, uh, you know, women aviators coming into the armed forces. And at that point, you know, the intake and the, the, the amount of women that were coming into, for example, mm-hmm. combat flight positions, you could be a tactical fighter pilot. Um, you might not necessarily fly a combat mission, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that the portrayal of the, the the that they did have of the uh, military, you know, for what it was and what and they didn't get really deep into a lot of mm-hmm. it, but it was it was quite good. Yeah. Um, I I don't think that you're going to see anything that would really make the hardcore military buff. Mm-hmm. Like that would just be like, oh, that's not accurate. There's no mm-hmm. way that could happen. It's it, 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 you. I don't think you're gonna see any of that. Not even the space alien running a research program. I mean, I mean, <laughs> we're in spoiler territory. You never know. It's spoilers. Okay, I mean, okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, I didn't give okay. the warning to like oh, to first I'm disengage. Sorry. Okay, but it's you know what? It's fine. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I it's thought fine. we were in spoiler territory. Fuck it, fuck it. Um. <laughs> I was. I heard that there's some anger about because I think the military in part funds some of these movies, or at least oh, fund really? help help fund this one. What they do is that that the basically a lot of the what they call the public affairs uh, okay. offices in in the different branches. Hmm. You know, they get into, and that's how a lot of military uh, scenes and a lot of uh, the interaction really does take place between. Uh, Hollywood films and and the United States military in particular is that they do have you know public affairs offices that mm-hmm. interact and they basically get these public affairs requests they bring them in and and you do you know lots of different things and you know the MCU has a pretty good relationship with the United States military in particular the United States Air Force mm-hmm. um you know dating back to Iron Man right that makes sense actually yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but i had not heard of any of the ire that okay. was coming from the military at this at this time well not yeah. from military but from like leftist groups who were like this is just propaganda oh, or whatever okay. uh, yeah. and well, i understand Man that similar. i understand yeah. that folks would be worried but i definitely didn't see any propaganda in no. this movie not not even it not was remotely super light on mm. not remotely people. yeah i mean compared to iron man the the military, the real military, has virtually no presence in this. It's yes. kind of a mention, and it sets a character path. It's one of the really one of the few well done character beats for Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I couldn't imagine. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I I I I think that again, some people will always have a gripe about including the military in any movie. Uh, and and you're gonna get that. But this, mm-hmm. I I I literally would be be remiss. Mm-hmm. It would be remiss to even say that there'd be any way that anybody would get offended by that. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so now that we're in full-blown square territory, <laughs> that's fine. Colson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good to see that's him again. That's my boy. Mm-hmm. It's really cool that they kept that under wraps. They, yeah, it is. yeah, I like that. Yeah, that definitely. was really cool. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so it was really nice to see him return. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? The way that they were able to uh, to to actually apply the de-aging technique on him was yeah. good. Yeah, really good. It was mm-hmm. really good. They, they did an, an excellent job. It was mm-hmm. seamless. He looked yeah. like... You know, yeah. definitely like you know, ten, twenty years. Yeah, yeah, younger, definitely. Sure. Yeah, exactly. They did a really good job with him, and they. I, it was just nice because he was a very familiar character, and you kind of know he's going to show up and do a lot. And he didn't do a lot, but it was really good at establish. The character was consistent. Yes. Right. Yeah. He didn't do anything you didn't expect him to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And probably, it was probably easier to do the de aging on him because he's that that disparity is less than mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson. Right. Right. Now to. Also, nobody has any idea what he looked like when he was younger. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, we, we, we know him as Colson. What true. do we know him from That's before true. now? Um, how do you feel about the Stan Lee cameo? Oh, man. Yeah. Yo, I, I got to be honest with you. Um, just the the opening credits, right? The opening credits with the, the actual MCU logo mm-hmm. and how they included Stan in that. I, it got me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. That actually made me feel a little bit verklempt. Yeah. Um. That really was. It was beautiful, and, mm-hmm. and I think that was just a. It's a testament. I've got a, you know a, a really good friend of mine who's a colorist for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um. And has been working there for about 20 years now, mm-hmm. and uh, she became very very close with with uh, Stan. Um. Mm-hmm. And just talked about how beautiful of a man that he was, mm-hmm. and I was really just. It, it, one of those times where you just say, wow, you know yeah. what I mean? Because you're talking about a guy that was able to really bring something like this that at that time when, when Marvel started, DC was still killing it, right? Mm-hmm. And take that and really kind of, anytime you think about anything that has to do with comics or it has mm-hmm. to do with superheroes, you don't even think about DC anymore. I hate to say that. Yeah, it's true. Because there's some people out there that are going to be true, like, though, yeah. you know, going to mm-hmm. be shaking their fists at me. Oh, but yeah. It's the truth. And, you know, seeing what they did with that was just a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Let's go into the cat. Hey. Goose or flirt the, the flurkin. Yes. The flurkin, yeah. So, <laughs> I think this, I, I mean, you said it, mm-hmm. best character in the movie. I really like the flurkin. Mm-hmm. My problem, though, same as the rest of this film, nothing was really explained. Mm-hmm. Where, where, did, where did it come from? Yeah, and the only person who had a real reaction was Samuel L. Jackson, was Nick Fury, yeah. which yeah. was great. Really quick side note, it was sort of strange to see Nick Fury as essentially the comic relief in a movie. Yeah. It was a really different direction. It, it was well done, but again, that was due to the strength of the performance, I think. It was sort of a weird thing to write, mm. I think. But anyway, uh, yeah, but he was the only one who had a reaction to the cat. The cat. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, and, and it was cool because you can kind of see... You see a a younger, mm-hmm. less hardened Fury, Definitely. right? Um, and I think it was just really cool to see him be able to take on that right. position as being not just support, but also, as you said, the comic relief. Because right, you can yeah. see before mm-hmm. he got to where he is in a, you know more of the mm-hmm. present day yeah. uh, uh, films, him being less grizzled than he is, you know, yeah. back then but, or was back then. Yeah, definitely. With that said, I was kind of expecting, and 
this isn't really a pro or a con. It's just something interesting. Yeah. I was expecting this movie to begin to show how he becomes more grizzled. Right. And it totally took a left turn from that. And he was still the comic relief all the way through. Light and fluffy. I mean, for Nick Fury. Light and fluffy. <laughs> uh, so now, but my thought, the final scene with him in this film, I was like, so what happens between then and Iron Man to make him Nick Fury? Right. Right? Like, it, it really brews a lot of questions. I totally agree. So in The Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. He told Cap, mm-hmm. last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so wait a minute. And so honestly, because I heard, or not, you know what, I'll take that back. I also thought that there would be something in this film that would mm-hmm. show you. How he lost his how eye. He, well, A, how he lost the eye mm-hmm. and how that would make him more yeah. grizzled yeah. in that regard. And I thought maybe he would try to save her or he lost mm-hmm. it doing something. Maybe he was betrayed by mm-hmm. a person he trusted. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a scroll or something. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. yeah. But literally, he just had a cat in his hand mm-hmm. and it yeah. scratched him. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, well, yeah. You know, I yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think... It, you know, I think we're just so used to seeing, again, some of these characters we really know. We really have a backstory with them. Some of them we don't. And we're used to seeing Nick Fury show up when the stakes are really high. Yeah. Right. And there were never any high stakes for him in this. So I think we were all kind of waiting for it to turn serious, uh, but it never did. Yeah. Did you find it weird that he got his ass handed to him by that scroll and he just kind of got up and just was like, eh? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I found it. Yeah. I find, found it weird, but I also found it to be a a trademark Samuel L. Jackson move. Um, you know, it was weird because, again, like you said, the, that, that scroll just really, like, wiped the floor with him. Mm. But he was able to dust it off and just keep trucking. Um, that was something. <laughs> that was something. I was like, wow. Back to the cat. I don't understand why if they <clears throat> registered the cat with, with their, like, sand scouter as, mm-hmm. like, a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Why didn't they just kill it there? Or why didn't they talk about... Yeah. Because the, yeah. it said it's highly mm-hmm. dangerous, so either isolate it, yeah, or kill mm-hmm. it. Don't like it was weird. That there was, was weird a lot. Of, there was a lot of villain monologuing. This this would not have flown in the Incredibles. Well, yeah. They were like, we're going to throw them out the airlock, and then six scenes later, we're going to throw them out the airlock, and then you know, half an hour later, let's throw them all out of the airlock, and they just never did it. There right. was not really a lot of high stakes in this film. Um, so you want you want to talk about the the, the military thing? Obviously, um, there were references to refugees, immigrants, mm-hmm. and borders. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Really on the nose about that. Yeah. yeah. Same as Black Panther, right? Yeah. We, we build mm-hmm. uh, bridges, not, not walls. Not walls, yeah. Whatever. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? I think that, you know, and, and again, this probably hits home to me because of the fact that, you know, I'm a person of, of um, you know, I'm Muslim, but I'm also a person of, of Middle Eastern descent. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you know, a lot of what I saw with uh, I, and, and this this is probably going to either get me hate mail um i'm probably going to go have to actually stand right next to ilan omar after i say this <laughs> like literally right next to her um you you find out some things and since we're already in spoiler territory now i looked at the cree as at the star force i looked at the star force as the idf mm. and the scrolls oh, as the palestinians mm. oh that's wow okay i really okay. did because again and here's why because the PR campaign that the Cree Star Force has is really good. And you notice a lot of what she says, even when, when Samuel L. first meets her, when, when uh, Fury first meets her, he, you know, he's like, so you're, you're, you're telling me that you are a actual sol- a Cree soldier, and she says, a hero soldier, right? Mm-hmm. And then you 
find out later on, right? Once a lot of the a lot of the, the the elements are revealed, when you know going into the second act, you find out the Cree ain't exactly who this right. who, who who they've you know been been cracked up to be, right? And that really resonated with me because again, that touched on a lot of these issues that again, truth and reconciliation is coming out now. Right now, the IDF mm. and the Israeli government is right now under uh, serious heat from the UN for you know actually being not just an apartheid state, but also sponsoring uh, uh, state-sponsored terrorism against a marginalized group. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this is a lot of, and that spoke to me, and I think right. that that people, if they you know, when they watch that and they see that, it's going to tap into that, and, mm-hmm. and that's where you see again, uh, you know, Marvel playing into the real politic of of yeah. the, the the current prevailing situation, yeah. which they always do really yeah. well. I wonder how many people are going to pick up on that immediately, because in the very beginning you see what's his name, who's chasing Peter Quill in the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, and the minute I. Uh, Jimon Honsu. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The minute I see him, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. What's actually happening here? Is he a good guy at some point? It, they right. do. I think if for for long term Marvel fans who are maybe not as politically clued up, mm-hmm. I think that'll do a very good job of illustrating the problem. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and that mm-hmm. that really did, and that's a really yeah. good point because mm-hmm. you f- you f- you look at Jimon Honsu. He mm-hmm. was a part of the Star Force, mm-hmm. and they, even in the comics, he was like later mm-hmm. on where where they start getting deeper into the Guardian story. It talks about him about you know how he ended up you know leaving the Cree mm-hmm. Star Force and actually aligning, um, you know, and 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 kind of going to the dark side so to speak. Yeah. But that's not revealed, and that sets up a lot of questions. Like, mm-hmm. wait, wait a second, hold on, wasn't he like? How exactly. does this work out? Exactly. Right? How is he a hero now? What's yeah. going on? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I that's why I was just really just like it immediately clicked in my head mm-hmm. that this is kind of what. You can see vis-a-vis what's really going on in 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 real life right now. Mm. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Marvel really does do that well. I think the whole situation with the refugees. Yeah. And kind of the hidden nature of refugee life. I thought that was really well illustrated as well. Mm. Sure. Okay. And even mm-hmm. if you want to move up uh, and and to to go back to the whole thing about refugees, even if you want to go back to looking at what's going on, you can look at what what's being painted about refugees right now and this. Uh, you know, this very, very large growing populist or really peaking populist movement amongst a lot of nations that were colonists. When you mm. talk about the, 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 the African refugee crisis in Europe, <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. A lot of these people are stateless people. A lot of these mm-hmm. people are coming from, you know, areas that had been colonized and really been stripped and had been sown with discord, right? And everything that you're hearing from the Korea is that, oh, you know, the scrolls they you know they devour everything that they 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 mm-hmm. they touch and you know they they're invaders and mm-hmm. they're they're you know mongrels and they're heartless and x y and z because mm-hmm. they're these shapeshifters right they're shifty mm-hmm. right so you hear a lot of these overtones a lot of these epithets that you hear mm-hmm. about immigrants about people that yeah. are refugees yeah. right any of this sounded familiar to you guys you know what oh, i mean yeah. mm-hmm. so this is this this was very very there were a lot of undertones that weren't so subtle in, in this movie mm-hmm. when it comes to a lot of the um socio-economic uh uh discourse that they're really kind of throwing right. at mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. cool i i totally agree that's 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 really cool where we're short on time we are. And, yeah, I know we're short on time. I don't want to. Oh, here we are, bird walking. Okay. No, no, no. And I thought this was focused. <laughs> no, I thought this was great, but I gotta, 
I gotta get out of here. Okay. <laughs> so I thought this was this was a great review. Uh, thank you all very much for your your perspectives and uh, Mel's napalm and. Uh- <laughs> I'm, still I'm burning, still burning. I was, I was, uh, I'm Han and she's Luke. Just, just, just shoot him down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this concludes this episode of Blurred Up. If you want to find us, we are on Facebook at B L E R D U P. Also on Twitter at B L E R D U, and we're also on Instagram at B L E R D period U P. Where can they find you, Mel? Uh, for this particular review, I want no hate mail. So on <laughs> on the blurred up page, that's where you can sure, find me. Sure. <laughs> oh, you guys can come at me. It's all right. I've already received plenty of hate mail this week. But if you guys oh. want to get in touch with me, um, great place to find me as Twitter. You can find me at HR Paperstacks. If you guys are fans of the Boondocks, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but you can also find me uh, at on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Desert Wolf Official, and uh, yeah, let me know what you, you what what you, what you guys think. Uh, reach out and touch somebody if you do feel so 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 lucky. It feels weird in the wake of a certain documentary. Oh no! <laughs> what oh. a what a cool way to end the show. <laughs> Blurred down, man. Yeah. Oh, ouch. <laughs> 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 All right, y'all. Peace. <laughs>